Welcome to episode 106 of the Horror Dads podcast. You're joined by your host, John and Jamie, as always. And today we are here to talk about best horror film viewing movie theater experiences. So this is going to be a very personal episode. What's up, Jamie? What's up, man? Hey, uh, I don't know if you knew this, but yesterday was what day? Twin Peaks Day. I did know that, man. So today's the 25th. That was 24th. And that's, it's uh, Twin Peaks Day for what reason, John? Do you know? Is, is that the day that uh, Agent Cooper enters the scene? Yeah, that's the day he arrives in Twin Peaks. Yeah. I saw this picture of Kyle MacLachlan in like a convertible, <laughs> like driving yeah. and waving at the Twin Peaks sign. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, dude. We're huge Twin Peaks fans, uh, so I'm, I know a lot of you are as well, so happy Twin Peaks weekend. Yeah, of course. So we're in the Twin Peaks time of life. This is that lull between, uh, you know, you're, you're wrapping up your winter horror stuff, you're right. cycling through Valentine and My Bloody Valentine 45 times a, a weekend, and you don't know what to yeah, watch. Yeah, now we're blowing the dust off of our... Uh leprechaun box set oh dude petting it just it's almost it time ready. to shine yeah yeah <laughs> exactly polishing our uh our like polishing the discs yeah our, our leprechaun themed belts that we have that we're gonna wear like santa around our stomachs it's, it's gonna be exactly. great dude uh well i think this this episode topic is fun for a couple reasons one i think we kind of stumbled into this concept because we talk constantly about uh how we feel about movies and how we feel that the idea of the experience of watching them affects your initial interpretation, especially when you see things for the first time, right? I think everyone nowadays is using, you know, pushing this nostalgia button. And I think a huge element of that nostalgia button that's being pushed is linked to this idea of like, hey, I had this great experience when I did this thing. And that's why I love it so much. And it's not always about the content, but the experience. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of times that uh, we go see a movie at the theater and love it. And then you see it again and you're like, eh, it's okay. <laughs> but because yeah. of the experience of being in the theater with a, a live audience, sometimes a live audience makes it fun. Uh, we've never, we don't have the pleasure of living in a big city where we get to go to a packed house where it's like a uproarious laughter and yeah. people screaming. Like you may get two or three people to do that, um, but it's not like, you know, like I think of it's This isn't on my list. And I know it's not on yours, but I think of like when we went and saw Megan. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was. Like, that was a fun theater experience. Uh, the theater was I think we went on like opening night, maybe that Friday. So we actually did get uh, a good crowd there and there was a lot of good laughing and it was a lot of fun. And then I watched it at home and it was like, uh, this movie's fine. Yeah, this is pretty good. Yeah, dude. I, uh, it just wasn't the same. So we wanted to highlight those experiences that we had uh, in some movies that stuck out as a great, memorable theater experience, whether it be theater, drive-in. Uh, we we're so lucky where we have two drive-ins within like 30 minutes. It's crazy. Uh, and I'm not super familiar with Skyway Drive-In just because it's, Elm Road is closer to us. Uh, but this Skyway double drive-in, if I may diverge for just a second, is going to have in October, they're having this horror festival called Sinister Horror Fest. And it's going to be two screens, 
two days, Friday and Saturday, and they're playing like The Thing, Night of the Creeps on screen one, uh, From Dusk Till Dawn and The Frighteners on screen two, and then they have like local, locally produced horror films playing on each screen as well. So that's going to be a lot of fun and something I'm looking forward to and checking out that drive-in that we haven't been to yet. Really? I didn't, I didn't know about that. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for that, dude. Yeah, I was reading about that today. I was looking up the drive-in, and uh, I was trying to find, you know, the show times yeah, or whatever, yeah. and I come across this, and I was like, holy shit, dude. I'll buy a sweater right now. is playing on Saturday. Oh, man. I mean, come on. Yeah. That's incredible. I know, man. It's, it's amazing for us living in such a small market to have something like that, you know. Yeah, one of our uh, listeners just recently reached out. Uh, I believe it was our, our buddy Chris, and he had a link to John Carpenter Film Fest throughout March. So I don't know if this is local just to his market or if this is beyond uh, and, and, and a little bit elsewhere, but you know, like Showings of the Fog, Escape from New York, The Thing, Christine, They Live. Like, the fo- this is fog time of year That's for amazing. me, man. Like, I'm all, totally. all fog all the time this time of year. So that that's that's super rad, and I I just I love how during the pandemic, during the onset of the pandemic, we had this little escape, you know, with drive-ins and with the idea of the, and we just realized how much we missed the concept of like being able to physically go in, and I think that happens so much. Like there's a almost a, and I think the the parties that are most guilty are those that are the folks in life that are like getting older and having kids and more commitment, just so much shit going on. And look what happened to Toys R Us. We were all heartbroken when it closed, but then we all looked at each other afterwards and we're like, Hey, when's the last time you went to Toys R Us? And we realized it had been over a decade. So yeah, that kind of felt like the pathway heading up to 2020. And then we realized how much we miss movies. And I think these little mom and pops, the, Alamo draft houses of the world and whatnot really have like gotten it together to make it more of an experiential thing and, and, and create a better environment. So yeah, before we get into it though, so we're going to do five uh, experiences each and we're going to talk about the films associated with those experiences. And of course, all of them are going to be horror films. Um, even though I have one that's a little fringe, but uh, you guys will all dig it. Uh, I do want to just do our normal stuff, man. Let's catch up. If the banter and catch-up isn't your thing and you want to jump ahead, uh, you can do so. Just head down to the show notes. You'll see timestamps about uh, starts and stops. You can, you can jump in there and, and kind of skip around. But I just want to hang out with my buddy here real quick. So, Jamie, what's been going on, man? What have you been watching? Anything new? Yeah, I actually checked out. Uh, I've been wanting to watch this uh, Giallo for quite some time, and today I was not feeling good. Uh, so I laid on the couch and watched The Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Ooh, man. I'm assuming that's how you say it. Yeah. Plumage. Uh, dude, so good. It's from 1970, and it's about a, uh, an American man living in Italy. <clears throat> and he's about to leave, like, the next day to come back to the States. He's working remotely for some reason in Italy. Uh, him and his wife or girlfriend or whatever she is are there. And he happens to witness an attempted murder. And then you find out that three women have been killed and she would have been the fourth or would have been the third, whatever. Uh, but he saved her. And meanwhile, more murders are happening. So he decides he's going to stick. Well, they take his passport because he witnessed it. So he had to stick around for a little bit. But 
he also decides he's going to start investigating this series of murders as well to see if he can try to uncover the killer. And that's what this movie is. And it's fucking great. Nice, man. And you also went recently to check out what? Uh, Lisa Frankenstein? Oh, yeah. The wife and I went and saw Lisa Frankenstein. So good, dude. Um, I've talked about Totally Killer. Uh, I've said that it's 80s, but it's like the bubble gum. Yeah. Uh, like a yeah. dream of the 80s. This is this feels more lived in and more real. Uh, just like, you know, they had like a, a stepper uh, in one of the scenes and it had like this fucking that purple and pink. Yeah. I think my mom had that exact stepper. So it just felt like a more uh, realized 80s uh, that we're used to. But so good. I loved Lisa Frankenstein. Loved the music. Um, loved the, I think I read like John Hughes meets Heathers or something like that. Seems pretty accurate. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, I checked out a couple things. So we just did a Patreon episode on the new season of True Detective. And uh, it's called True Detective Night Country. So it's season four. Uh, you know, all those seasons kind of stand alone for those that aren't familiar with the show. But I, I didn't finish it yet. I'm still one episode away from, from wrapping up. But, man, so far so good. I've been, I've been enjoying it, the vibe, the pulse, the feel. Uh, you can get our full thoughts if you jump over to Patreon. And uh, we, we kind of walk through the first episode in detail, but talk about the show as a whole and that specific season as a whole. So I also checked out, and I, I don't know why or how this just kind of crept past me, but I watched A Quiet Place Part 2, which I had not seen. And I really enjoyed A Quiet Place. I really like John Krasinski. I really like Emily Blunt. I'm not quite sure why this happened. Um, it's really, it's about a sect of the family that still remains and kind of looking at their journey, but there are flashbacks, they weave in and out of time and whatnot, uh, which is really nice. And, and Cillian Murphy's in this and he just crushes the absolute hell out of it, man. He just, he's such a great actor. Yeah, he really is. So I, I, uh, jumped in to check that out. Uh, definitely been enjoying it. What, uh, you've been buying anything, man? Anything new? No, I, I didn't buy anything recently. I did. Uh, I think I told you, I just, Started playing uh, Resident Evil 2 on Game Pass. Yeah, dude. So I didn't buy it, but it came to Game Pass, which uh, was pretty exciting. It's the Resident Evil 2 remake, the remaster. And it's fucking, it looks great. Tell you what, though, I have one problem, and it sucks. What's up? Uh, I don't know if it's a bug or what, but like every, let's say, 50-50 on if I try to save, if it actually works. Really? So you That's get stuck like not with a like a cool thing to not work, dude, right? Like it sucks. It honestly sucks because it's like I'm holding my breath. First of all, you know the feeling every time you get to the typewriter to save in Resident Evil, you're like, "Oh god, I can exhale because like I just did so much shit. I don't want to do have to do yeah. that again. I get to and save." And when you get in that room too, the music just pacifies you and you're like, "Yeah, I could just nap right. and get healthy in here. Read some notes or whatever I need to do." Uh, <laughs> yeah. so I get in there I'm like holding my breath. I do a big exhale and then I have to hold my breath again because I don't know if it's actually going to save or if it's going to kick me back to my previous save and I have to do all that crap again. Man. So I've been fighting with that, which is just annoying. Dude, I, uh, I actually just downloaded it yesterday and nice. I started playing it last night because you mentioned it and I wanted to, to check it out. Mm. It looks great, right? Yeah, it looks really good. Uh, I know I mentioned this on our last episode, but I did receive my print from our buddy Matty Tobin, the faculty print that he that he made. 
uh, which is oh, yeah. awesome. Like just an incredible, like, like a page torn out of a yearbook kind of style. And um, I bring this up because oddly enough, I met Usher Raymond like a couple days after the Super Bowl and the Usher, the Usher. I was, you know, in, in Atlanta for work and it was just this very strange sequence of events that that happened. And I saw Usher and I said to him, hey, man, I like the faculty or I love the faculty. It's one of my favorites. And he just smiled at me and kept going. And he was uh, super chill. Seems super nice. He just was, sm- was so happy and smiling the whole day. He seems like he'd be a nice guy. Yeah, it was a it was a pretty Love neat that. experience. So, uh, yeah, I feel like the the number one thing you'd have to do is mention faculty. You know, I I was with someone, you know, obviously with a handful of people from work, and someone was like, he probably never had anyone say that to him. <laughs> and I was laughing, like, you know what? You're probably right. Like, people probably commend his music or his dancing or even the Sesame Street thing he did, but faculty probably not all that often. Probably not high on the list. What are you wearing, man? What you got? What you got on over there? So today I'm doing the Camp Crystal Lake hoodie over top of my long sleeve Scream Raglan from Cavity Colors. Oh yeah, that I love so much. That's glow in the dark. Uh, but I have to cover up the glow because it's freezing. So I have the Camp Crystal Lake hoodie on from our buddy at uh, Body Count Clothing. Uh, I have on my Hellfire Club shirt. I can't remember where I got this actually. I think. Um... I actually think I got it at Hot Topic because I needed it for my Halloween costume a couple of years ago. And um, I guess this is going to weave directly into my family antic. But and I know we're beating a dead horse talking about this show and how much our kids love it and whatnot and whatnot. But uh, so, you know, between your two kids and my two kids. Uh, so yours have both been sort of all in on Stranger Things for a while. My oldest got pretty into it. But my youngest was like, I like this idea, but haven't really committed to caring much about understanding the actual show that is dramatically changed over the past like three weeks she is all stranger things all everything to the point where she actually pulled the shirt out and made me put it on today uh so she is all in watched seasons one two and three and um last weekend when you and your wife went to see lisa frankenstein i your boys slept over my house so the, I, I had all four kids here and I, we had just finished watching Stranger Things season three. And, uh, at the end I was like, oh no, I'm with all these kids and I am going to cry. And I sure as shit did because they just, <laughs> of course he did. Dude, they just do it with the music and everything. Like they, yeah, they get just you at the end do it. Yeah. Reading the letter that when Eleven's oh, reading the letter from God. Hopper, I mean, I'll cry thinking about it. I'm not like you where I, I don't cry often at stuff, but that's a tearjerker for sure. So that's my family stuff too. What about you? Anything family antic wise you want to mention? Yes. Yeah, so our neighbor, Larry, who's also a patron, uh, he had a birthday party for one of his seven kids. It's like birthday party every weekend over there uh, with, with the kids <laughs> yeah. and, the, and the parents. Uh, but they, uh, everyone was like in the kitchen and mingling around and we're in the living room. Uh, a bunch of us and was like looking for a movie to put on. So Larry's like, Hey, uh, any request for like a movie? Or I think he was expecting one of the kids in there to say like minions or some shit. Right. <laughs> yeah. My 10 year old son says scream five. Oh dude. He's like, Oh, 
okay. And I, I looked at him and I was like, man, could not be more proud in this moment of my son. And we watched uh, Scream 5 and it was great. It was like on in the background at the party. Perfect. Dude, that is I love when amazing. you put something on like that and then you see um, just like someone's aunt glued to the screen, right? Like wanting to know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's like you didn't put it on for her, but she's really engaged. And I love that. I, I saw this woman today who was walking her dog. And speaking of that, what you just said, and she, my kids went up, we're petting the dog and all this. And they were like, what's his name? And she goes, his name's Dewey. And I, I, my, I fell like out of my body because I have a cat named Dewey. Yeah. And I'm just looking at this woman and in my mind. I'm like, absolutely fucking no way. Did she name this dog after Deputy Dewey? <laughs> so I asked no her. No chance. I asked her and she goes, who? No, no, no. That was his name when we got him. And I was like, yeah, I, I figured as much. <laughs> a couple quick plugs and we'll get into our episode here. But we do have a Patreon. So if you're interested in some additional content, you're all caught up. I think we're pushing near like 100 additional episodes that you can access on there. At the $10 tier, you would unlock it all for free immediately so if you're caught up you need more horror dads feel free to jump over there check things out we've got a five dollar tier and a ten dollar tier uh please consider following us on social media we're everywhere at horror dads but instagram is typically where we sort of live and work uh if you're interested in some horror dads merch you can head over to horrordads.com pick up a tea and if you would do us a kindness goes a super long way uh please do consider leaving us a five-star review either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to us, uh, helps the algorithm and makes us feel great. So, Jamie, let's get our popcorn, dude. We doing this? Yep. I'm going to grab my, uh, what did I say I love? I love my Skittles. So I'm going to grab some Skittles, maybe some Sour Patch Kids, <laughs> uh, medium popcorn. Not all for me, but. Sounds like it's all for you. Share man. it around. Pass the bucket, you know? Well, let's get into our seats and maybe talk a little bit about candy and some other stuff. Let's do it, buddy. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right, so couple quick questions before we jump in, dude. What? So first off, if you go back and listen to our watch through episode of Thanksgiving, which we watched uh, for our, 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 our Patreon bonus episode, our Patreon bonus watch through episode for February 24, uh, Jamie is munching his ass off on some Skittles <laughs> during that. So that seems to be your favorite candy, right? <laughs> Yeah, Skittles are my favorite uh, non-chocolate. Favorite chocolate is a Reese's cup or, you know, something like that. So, yeah, if you're, so if you're going to the theater, you're heading out with either Skittles or a uh, Reese's cup, yeah? Yeah, Skittles are typically what it, like, I, well, I had a massive bag that I got for Valentine's Day of the wild berry Skittles, which are clearly my favorite. Uh, and I had to, like, slip some in a Ziploc bag. 
Put that in the coat. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect <laughs> movie theater treat. Yeah, dude. I'm a I think I'm a Sour Patch kid guy if I'm at the theater. Yeah. I also like those like little like cookie dough cluster things that come in that like cardboard box. Oh yeah, you love those. They're like chocolate covered, right? Cookie oh dough. dude, yeah. But you have like eight of them and then you're like, I could probably <sighs> get a coffin to lay in now. Yeah, it's like a diabetic coma. And a diaper. Uh <laughs> but I also dude, I just love movie theater popcorn. And now that I've got this scream bucket it's head just too good, dude, honestly. I I I'm with you. And I, why is it so it can't just be the butter. There's more to it than that. I don't know, man. But I will say uh the comments at the top about movie theaters working extra hard to kind of stay afloat or to remain relevant and evolve their business, I guess, to make sure they don't die. Yeah. Uh, the onset of pretty much all theaters working to make sure that you've got those like nice captain's chairs that can recline and that you can get a, like a draft beer. That's been a total game changer for the movie going experience. Yeah, totally. Um, it used to just be bare bones. You're getting your popcorn. You're getting in there. Pretty uncomfortable seat that you can't wait to get out of, you know, it's changed. And uh, to your point about COVID, the way that the landscape changed, like drive-ins, that was their time to shine, you know? It was like, yes. Uh, just anything that was like, you didn't have, like podcasts, like time to shine. Everyone and their mother had a podcast at that point. Yeah, because yeah, exactly. That's what you do. And it's, uh, having the drive-in available was just, it was so, like you said, man, it was so special to have a theater that new movies weren't coming out. So they were playing classics. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of those. And, you know, I think every weekend they were doing stuff like Friday the 13th, like they had these double features going that were just amazing. We couldn't make it out too much because yeah. the kids were at an age where it's like, can't take you to the drive-in to see this and we have nobody to watch you. So, uh, but yeah, just having that was amazing. I did a little bit of research here on kind of the, the mobilization of the theater going experience. Nice. And uh, found that, I mean, it, it's, I don't know if you've been in New York City, but when you go to New York, there's a pizza chain called Ray's Pizza. They all claim to be the original one. So I'm sure that's been going on for the discussion. I learned that from the movie Elf. Yeah, actually, they do <laughs> reference that in Elf. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that's a real thing. So the theater realm, I think, is very similar. In the sense that, like, everyone wants to be the OG theater, right? But the earliest public uh, public screenings, and not even for like full films, found the date of October twenty eighth, eighteen ninety two. Holy hell! Yeah, and this is in Paris. Okay, so overseas. And I guess during this time, like. Thomas Edison was involved in this whole thing and he was like firmly of the opinion, which is like crazy to think of the fact that this was even debated, but he was of the opinion that it would be much more successful if film screening wasn't a, like this big commercial experience, but more of a, a like private, like peep box kind of concept. Uh, fast forwarding to 1896 is the date that I found for, um, I found this great article on history.com about uh, basically the advent of, of uh, the movie theater experience. So 
1896, Vitascope Hall is believed to be the first theater in the U.S. devoted to showing movies. And it opened in, guess what city? No idea. New Orleans, which shocked me. I was like, wait, this is not wow. a New York or Philly thing. This is, and I found this other really interesting article on courts.com, which is like a, a sister publication, I guess, of AV Club and Deadspin uh, and, you know, some of those kinds of publications. And they do a lot of discussion about like the evolution of the theater and how in the uh, 50s and 60s, people were like, hey, it's really starting to ramp up. Like, how do we capitalize this, monetize it, and make it more and more and more engaging and more exciting? And then that's when all the like gimmicks and shit started to sort of come about. And I know mm-hmm. we talked about this during our marketing episode where we discussed um, marketing tactics and techniques uh, that uh, horror franchises have gone through. But William Castle in 1958, you know, very prolific uh, horror director, started to make all these low-budget movies and was uh, doing all these gimmicks in the theater. So in uh, 1958 with Macabre, he had basically people sign a contract saying, you know, if you die in the theater of fright, we'll give you $1,000. Skeletons flying over the audience for House on Haunted Hill uh, audience members in their seats uh, getting their asses buzzed when they're going to watch The Tingler in 1959, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, like the 4D experience. Yes, the 4D experience, exactly. And then that was punctuated by the Aroma Rama, which is the technology that would like send Ugh. the smells throughout the, uh, throughout the, the viewing experience. And there was a bunch of other stuff too, I think. Smell-O-Vision was a competitor that came to be, but a uh, really interesting article, as I mentioned, on Quartz that was written by Adam Epstein uh, from back in April of 2016, but I thought it was fascinating. So let's, uh, let's get into it, man. Let's, uh, you want to start? Why don't you start? All right, so my number five theater-going experience is, this is one I've talked about before. Uh, this is kind of a funny one. This is Rob Zombie's Halloween. Described by police as Manson-like in its viciousness, three people brutally murdered and a 10-year-old boy being held in custody. You haven't said a word for 50 All right, so... So which theater? It's August. Yeah, Get set us up so here. So this was, this was the <clears throat> Austintown Regal Cinema. It's not the Austintown Theater that we know now. Same location. This was when it was Regal. Yeah. Uh, back before the comfortable chairs and beer, uh, we just had the bare bones structure. And so it's August 31st. I'm assuming we went on opening night. So August 31st, 2007, this film was released. Coming right into September. So it's fall as fuck right now, right? You get in there. I, I had to essentially drag my wife, my girlfriend at the time, to this movie. She hated horror at the time. Uh, just because she got scared, you know? Yeah. It was as simple as that. She got scared easy uh, and then would have a hard time being home alone or whatever. So she just kind of stayed away from it. So I drag her to this movie. I decide to get really stoned before we go in, uh, which was a huge mistake. Uh, I get in there. I was not expecting the tone. This was the first movie I'd seen from Rob Zombie. So I had no idea what to expect. I'm just expecting this fun Halloween remake, right? So I get in there. 
the first 25 minutes are just brutal, punishing, relentless. And it, uh, my heart in my forehead, I was sweating. My heart was palpitating yeah. to just the heavens. So at least three different times, I, I had to excuse myself, splash some cold water on my face, <laughs> give myself like a pep talk in the mirror. Uh, I'd get in there and then I'd be like, ah, I'll be, I'll be right back. And these are at like the most intense parts of the movie, clearly. So I'm leaving my girlfriend who hates horror in this theater alone while I'm trying to reassess my life in the, in the bathroom. Um, but I think we all learned at that point that Rob Zombie may not be for us. Yeah. When I say we all, I mean like you, me, my girlfriend at the time. Um, but it was, it was, I'm really glad I got to see that in the theater. It was the only time I've ever had that heart palpitation issue happen in the theater. Uh, so maybe that's a badge of honor for Rob. Probably would be happy to hear it. Yeah, man. And I think, so I think there are some circumstances, like, we'll, we'll jump into the discussion around the movie a little bit here in a second, but I think there were some other neat life experience things happening for you at that time because, so you're, you know, you're married to my sister. And I know that you guys had not been together for a minute, um, though you and I remained friends when you weren't together. Uh, I was down in Miami doing an internship, I remember that summer. And you and my sister kind of rekindled things. And this was like your first kind of like, okay, this is a lost love. We're both really nervous about this. We got to go do something. Uh, it's a day, like my sister's birthday is what, August 30th, right? So it's day after 30th, her birthday. Yeah, so it's like the next day. Yeah. <laughs> And birthday weekend dude i'll be in the bathroom man you enjoy the movie i just the amount of uh joy i got out of hearing about this was was great but it's it's cool because now you have uh this movie that we're not huge huge fans of but that you've you know you have an appreciation for that film if for no other reason than it was a you know a mechanism to get back into uh you know to rekindle the love that you have with uh your your wife. Yeah. A heartwarming tale. Uh, other movies in the theater this, uh, this period were uh, 310 to Yuma. Superbad was in the theaters around this time. Resident Evil Extinction. Man. Yeah. Born Ultimatum, Rush Hour 3. Rush Hour Clearly, 3. Clearly Halloween was the best call there. Yeah. So you alluded to it. We're not huge fans of this movie, but. You got to think, man, like everyone was kind of starved for more Halloween because the the installment that had come out, Resurrection. Resurrection. Right? Yeah. 2002. It had been a while. So. I guess not that long. I thought it was more of a, a lapse. That's really not that long, I guess. 99.07. Yeah. I guess it was the same distance you know, between. In retrospect. I, yeah. I, here's what I'll say is. Halloween Resurrection came out. We were all confused. We wanted something different. We got that. And everyone was like, oh, Rob Zombie's horror obsessed. He's buying all these intellectual properties. Can't wait to see what he does with them. Here's the first crack at it. But, you know, we had House of a Thousand Corpses hanging over us. So we didn't know, you know, stylistically what we were going to get. And uh, he just really leaned into his, um, you know, his comfort zone in terms of how he tells stories and 
what he shows and what yeah. mechanisms and delivery arms he uses to kind of propel stories. So I totally forgot about House of a Thousand Corpses. So yeah. I was familiar with Rob and I knew it was going to be demented. I forgot. <laughs> That's why you were like, I'm going to bring all the extra cold water that I possibly can. Jeez. Yeah, I should have. I should have been more prepared uh, after having seen House of a Thousand Corpses, actually, because that was one of the more. When that came out, it was like nothing really that uh, diabolical had come out in the mainstream, I feel like, you know? Yeah. So you, we, we both feel the same way about this movie, where we're happy to have it in the canon, but it's not our favorite. Happy to have it in the canon. Definitely not our favorite. It's, I guess. It's nice to have, you know, benchmark material within the franchise. Not everything can be a banger, right? So you've got your floor, you've got your ceiling. Uh, I don't necessarily think this is the, maybe, did I, is this the floor though? We just did that episode with our buddies in the Alone in the Dark last fall. I can't remember what, what our floor yeah, was. Yeah, I think, I, I think we had this last. Yeah. All right. It's the floor. Almost all of us. Yeah. I mean, I, I would take resurrection over this movie. I'll just say that. Yeah. I mean, I would as well. I know. There are people, and we both decided. I think we did. We decide. I think the last place was between Halloween two and Rob Zombie's Halloween two or Halloween one. Yeah, I just don't get the white horse. Just don't get it. Yeah. All right. So So, that's my first pick, buddy. Halloween. How do you uh, rate this movie going experience? Oh, this is like it's funny because it was not the best experience, probably for either of us. But it's it's made a good memory and it's a good story, yeah, dude. It's um, a memorable ass. We talk about that all the time. Like it gets referenced every yeah all the time, every Halloween at least. So yeah. All right, man. Great pick. So I'm gonna go a different route here. So I'm gonna head to my college years. Okay. So I was living with my sister at the time. This was that same year in fact and 2007 and we had gone to uh the drive-in movie theater near kent state university where i went to college there is a place there called the midway drive-in it's in ravenna ohio so it's pretty small i think they're only like two screens if i'm not mistaken and we had had a double feature, and we went and saw Disturbia from 2007. Ooh. Okay. We're all set to go nowhere. I am sentencing you to three months house arrest, Mr. Brecht. Green means you're good. You're in the safe zone. Red light flashes. You got 10 seconds to get back to green or else. I got something to show you. This is reality without the TV. Who is she? I don't know. Oh, God. So, yeah, man, this came out April 13th, 2007. So you got to think this was probably like pretty early on in the uh, the drive-in being open for that, for that uh, season. So we go, and this was my first, 2007 was the first experience I had going to a drive-in. The very first time I ever went to wow. one. Wow. Yeah. Man. This was like not a part of my life growing up. So this was my very, very first experience there. And I remember, you know, this was like peak I'm into horror kind of thing. 
I'm in college at the time. I'm writing like research papers on Alfred Hitchcock. I'm writing, like doing anything I can to incorporate horror into my life and into my, my academic studies. And so in, in fact, during that time, I was writing a, a very lengthy, uh, publication on Alfred Hitchcock and how he uses basically psychosomatics to, you know, create fear. And the reference material I kept uh, referring to for that specific piece that I did was on Rear Window. And this movie comes out, right? And I went in kind of blind to this. And it was more of like my sister, like, hey, let's just go and do this thing. And I'm like, all right, fine. I'm like, isn't that Shia LaBeouf dude, the one from uh, Ren and Stimpy or whatever the hell that show was um, that he was on with his sister named Ren? Um, it was like some Disney Channel show. And I just didn't have high expectations or like any, like any expectations, really. And then I go in, dude, and this, this movie directed by DJ Caruso co- totally like knocked me off my horse. I, I was like sprawled out just watching this in this amazing experience. It was chilly outside. I remember we brought a cooler, we had beers in it. Um, and we just had this like really nice experience. We're at this drive-in. I, um, I think I might've been with my girlfriend at the time, but like, I was really just focused and engaged on the experience of like being there with people that I enjoyed being around. We had, you know, uh, beers that we smuggled in in a cooler and we were like sitting right up front. I remember we were like so close to the screen and, uh, it was supposed to be a, let's just go check this out sort of thing. And then I was like, I had to be dragged away from the experience because I like fell in love with, um, you know, sitting in these yard chairs and being with people I love and watching this, uh, movie that kind of totally took me by surprise. So, uh, that's, that's definitely my number five experience was the drive-in for Disturbia. Nice dude. That's a, that's a great one because we love that movie and I definitely missed the theater experience of that one. How was the theater experience compared to like the home video? I'm, yeah. And this was like peak time in my life where I was like really actively pursuing any content I hadn't seen yet. So we were going to Blockbuster. Like I can't even imagine what our monthly Blockbuster bill was at a time where none of us were making any money of significance at all. Luckily, you could rent shit for like a buck. <laughs> yeah. And then they ended up actually going out of business and I still have a lot of like we're closing sale items that I still have in my uh in yeah. my library up there. Oh my god, dude. I I feel like that generation, anyone who lived through that generation has so many DVDs <laughs> that were like by 7, yeah. you know, for like junk ass movies like uh it's like you need a seventh so you pick road trip or something you it's know? like the remake of the hitcher you have three copies on dvd and you're like what the why do i have so many of these uh but i would say the home experience was equally as good because you know this comes out in april i probably saw it in may and then i had a whole summer of loving this film uh and waiting for it, it probably came out on it was probably rentable by you know end of august kind of thing yeah, heading into fall and just again, it was that sweet spot of, I love this uh, this genre so much, and this was when I was really coming into my love for it, and again trying to like apply even apply it to my studies and stuff, and um, this whole like 
summer lockdown thing. Um, I know we've talked about this this movie so much uh, historically here, but this movie is really good, man. It's uh, it's it's really well acted. The uh, the story design is engaging and exciting and fun, and David Morse crushes it in this too. He's like super scary, and all like all, just all these factors totally, totally just surprised the hell out of me. Totally. Yeah, I love the pacing on this one. Yeah, it just feels like a quick ride. It's great, and it's. I think I missed it because of the Shia LaBeouf thing, like you said. Yeah, but. dude. <clears throat> it, it it's that's what it was, and I I feel like this movie was so approachable, and really smart in terms of casting because they were like, oh, we need that that kid who's kind of edgy, has a sense of humor, and you know has already captured the hearts of like parents throughout the the U.S. because he's on that that goofy show. Like, let's get him involved. And it was brilliant because it just made it approachable. Yeah, and I think he had done that movie Holes, so he definitely had some exposure. Um, he was the perfect perfect kid for that role because to your point it's like kind of edgy uh troublesome at times and that's exactly what this character was so it was perfect yep all right man let's head to your number four all right man my number four is gonna be we're going back to college as well here uh we're going back to kent state and this is texas chainsaw massacre Tell me how much you love. How much? That much. That much? That much. Hey, are you okay? They're all dead. He's a bad man. I'm gonna have to call the cops, I guess. This is what the 2003. Yeah. Yeah. The remake. So this was the theater. I I assume it's still the same name. Kent Plaza cinemas. Uh, you've, we've all gone here several times and this, this theater is, it's like a mom and pop feel. It's not like a regal. It's not Cinemark. This is just like a theater. You have to walk through a weird hallway to get back to the actual theaters. Uh, the popcorn is like, they have a salt shaker on like a leash so that you can't take it with you. And, yeah. Uh, I think my sister who went to Kent state also is the reason they put those leashes on the salt because she would take the shaker uh, into the theater and then never return it. <laughs> uh, so this movie, dude, talk about a good remake, man. And a movie that arrived at the perfect time in horror, I'd say, because it, those Early 2000s was a weird time for uh, primetime horror, I feel like. Very much so. Like blockbuster horror, you know what I mean? Yeah, because I think and that was so the this time one, where, where I think like Redbox was becoming super popular. So mm. the number of people engaging in media in their homes, I feel like was like really amplifying. Cause this like Netflix is starting to get super popular and people are just consuming more content, more content. So I, I agree with you. It was a weird time. Yeah, this was back when you would, like, order a Netflix movie and it would come in the mail. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. 
Definitely around that time. So this came out, it released on October 17th, 2003. So it's like a fun Halloween movie. Let's go. Date night again. <laughs> do you want to do more horror? And she hated this. This is where we realized that she hated horror. This is where you guys broke up um, before we got back together in 2007. That's correct. <laughs> and I said, let's try it again. Yeah. That time I won her heart with the cold water. Uh, but yeah, no, this, this movie was really fun to see in the theater. Uh, there's some really great kills in this one. The music is great. The sound effects in general are great. And all of that is so amplified in the theater. Uh, even if it wasn't the best theater that you've been to, this was no IMAX. Again, there were no comfy chairs here. Uh, so uh, this was a really fun one to see in the theater, though. Yeah, man. Did you get to see this one in the theater? I did not. In fact, I remember I watched this movie on an airplane the very first time I saw it on like a portable DVD player. So that's how long oh, ago wow. it was. Uh, but that theater is, so it's, uh, I think it's now called the university Plaza theater. Okay. And it's right over, it was really close to our, like we could have walked there from where we lived. And you know, that place is, uh, supposedly haunted. I think I heard that, which adds to the mystique and added to the, it was great to see horror in that theater because of that. And again, like I said, yeah. that long, weird hallway you have to go down. Dude. That adds to the whole thing, the ambiance and the vibe. There were these two brothers that worked in that theater that lived in my, like, my apartment community uh, my last couple of years of college. And they would always talk about how it was haunted. And we were like, hey, what do you mean? And I found this article online that references it. And it says that the older part of the of University Plaza Theater off campus of Kent State is haunted by a presence who sits in the seats after hours. Mysterious things wow. happen in the projection room and footsteps are heard when no one is around. Some patrons of the theater who have sat in the back row have reported popcorn and nickels being thrown uh, on them from the rear beyond the wall. Damn. It was on uh, OhioExploration.com. Uh, it was just me back there tossing pennies at people. <laughs> Uh, dressed as Leatherface. Um, yeah. <laughs> with your chainsaw, you couldn't get started. But, yeah, dude, so I love I love this theater. I saw a lot of movies there, a lot of horror movies there uh, throughout my, my college years. And that remake, man, I just, I'm not a huge Texas Chainsaw guy. And uh, I think that that movie was really, really d well done. I thought it was the casting, right? Because, again, it was that really strange time of life and to figure things out and capture commercial success uh much like the shia labeouf move i think these studios were like who do we you know if we're gonna take this property that's already been used or already done uh, that's only going to get us a portion of the way like who do we cast in these things right and yeah it's important yeah so I, I think they crushed the hell out of the casting for this movie Jessica Biel was a great call. She was coming off like Summer Catch with Freddie yeah. Prince. Yeah, and she just has like a very, uh, um, I don't know, she carries herself in a very mature sort of way, and you feel like, oh, I feel comfortable with her being in charge sort of thing, right? And uh, she's just very trustworthy, and this is like the number one environment where you need someone you trust because it's so fucked up. It just is. Yeah, it is, yeah. So this movie grossed $29 million that opening weekend, and I contributed to that. Uh, 
the other movies that were out that that time period were School of Rock, Scary Movie 3, Kill Bill. That was an interesting year for, uh, or an interesting time frame for movies. Damn. Uh, but obviously you have to pick the horror movie and scream or scary movie three. By that point, it was like, I'm going to pass. Oh my God. Charlie Sheen. And no, just no. Jump the shark by that point. Especially if you're going to a theater, you're not going to see fucking scary movie. No. Yeah. All right, man. What's your next one? All right. I'm going back in time here. Okay. We're going back to the year. 1992, when little John, me, I was five years old, okay? And as a little five-year-old, I was obsessed with a comic book character by the name of Batman, which some of you might have heard of. So this is a little bit of a tweener pick, because it's not true horror, but for me at that time it was, and I do want to talk about the experience. So I'm going with the 1992 Tim Burton film, Batman Returns. I've been down here too long. It's time for me to ascend. From the sewers of Gotham, a new villain emerges. You didn't invite me, so I crashed! From the rooftops of Gotham, the perfect enemy comes to life. All right, so as I mentioned, this was 1992. I was born in 87, so, and this came out, uh, the release date was June of, uh, June 19th, 1992. Okay, so my birthday is end of May, so uh, I did flip the, the page on another year there, but I guess per my father, and as the story goes, I was relentlessly talking to my family about Batman, 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 Batman. And I wanted to see this new movie and I wanted to see it in the theaters. And I think this was my very first experience going to any movie, let alone. Oh, wow. Yeah. The first theater. Yep. So Tim Burton at the helm here of uh, the Batman, Batman franchise, the Batman reboot, you know, a couple years prior, he had just uh, released, um, I guess, Batman, the Batman one, for lack of a better term. And it did really, really well. So he was invited back to do another. So we had uh, Bob Kane, Daniel Waters, uh, Sam Hamm as the writers. Tim Burton did the directing. And uh, Michael Keaton, as we know, starring as Batman. And Danny DeVito and Michelle Pfeiffer as the Penguin and Catwoman, respectively. And Jamie, I don't know how familiar you are with this movie or how memorable this was for you, but Danny DeVito as the penguin is legitimately terrifying. Just looking at his mouth. Yeah, that's horror. Uh, <laughs> he is horrific. <laughs> this movie's great though. Like Christopher Walken is amazing in it. Yep. The only thing that still I never did like about this movie that much. And it's funny because my kids don't like it is Catwoman. Michelle Fiverr's great as Catwoman. It's just like, I feel like there was just too much going on in that movie, too many characters, and we didn't need her. That's that's a Batman thing, dude. And I think I I I determine what that is, and I think it's the studios want multiple bad people, like bad guys in the movie, villains, because 
you sell twice as many cups. You sell twice as many action figures, twice as many t-shirts. Uh, there's just more to market, truly. Uh, people will turn up, you know, if you've got a divided household and you got a penguin, penguin's my favorite villain and Catwoman's my favorite villain. Like everyone's excited and it causes shit, you know, and it creates conversation. So uh, I feel like that's definitely a factor, but um, I'm, I, I was really excited to see this movie and really excited to go to the movies and the, the score by Danny Elfman is, is really elite and such a character in and of itself in this movie. And for sure, that intro scene is so macabre and dark, and you're following the creepiest concept, which is basically a bassinet that has a newborn baby in it floating through a sewer system underneath a city. And the music is sweeping, the imagery is sinister, you're, you know, stimulation overload. And I jumped from my chair onto my dad's lap and he said I was shaking and rattling like a leaf. And oh then I was God. so, so scared the entire time and that it was like days and days and days. I was coming into their room, sleeping on the floor. Um, but in terms of like most memorable experiences in cinema and with films, this is absolutely up there for me. And I know it's not true horror, but it's close. Yeah, and when you're a kid, horror comes in all shapes and sizes, and it may not fit into the mold of traditional horror. Oh, dude. Did you make it through the whole movie? Or Yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah, we still I probably would have pulled my kid out at that point, you know? Yeah, and I mean, you got to think, this is early 90s, right? My family probably didn't have... Uh, you know, my dad's just starting his career at that time, and uh, it was like, no, we're we're <laughs> we're we're at an outing, and we can't like this is the only way yeah. we're watching this movie. We can't watch it on Amazon later for purchase. Like, exactly, yeah. It's the early '90s, so I think that was probably part of like, no, we're sticking this out. I don't remember if I saw that one in the theater or not. I feel like I had to have. God, I vividly remember seeing the first one in the theater. I just feel like I'm, that memory for the second one is not there. So. I'm not sure if I did or not. My parents probably did not take me to that one because of the horror aspect, you know? Yeah. They might have made a good move, but not a good yeah. enough move because you have a horror podcast now. That's true. Now I wish they would have taken me. <laughs> uh, All right, man. So my next one, actually, we're coming full circle here. Let's Wait, were you done? No, I'm done. Keep going. Okay. Didn't want to jump in on you there. Um, All right. So, yeah, this is July 2000. I'm in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Uh, me and a couple of buddies go to see this unassuming movie that is a parody film of some of the movies that we love, namely Scream. And I know what you did last summer. This is Scary Movie. Hello. Want to have a little fun? Who's this? Do you like scary movies? You thought the terror was over. If you believe the nightmare was finished. Ow! Ow! You were right. From the people who had nothing to do with Scream. Has it crossed your mind that your boyfriend was murdered and you're next? No way! They didn't make the rules. I can't believe this is on your list and I can't wait to hear you talk about it. Yeah, so I know that this isn't horror, but it's based on one of our favorite horror films of all time. It's fucking hilarious. I don't know that it, I haven't watched it in a while. I'm sure it doesn't hold up 
Uh, but at the time, it was just, I remember thinking it was so funny. I was probably 20, so my immaturity probably had something to do with that. But I grew up with parody films like <clears throat> Hot Shots, Hot Shots Part Two, uh, Spaceballs, yeah. and then The Naked Guns. Like, those were pretty pretty popular in the 90s. And, Nothing But uh, Trouble is was basically a-, a parody film, even though it's not overtly, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Step off my uh, nothing but trouble, John. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so this one is, again, really funny. It highlights some of our favorite movies. Uh, it's essentially the plot of I Know We Did Last Summer with Ghostface. Uh, the other movies that were parodied in this one, like, they really hit all the pop culture, you know, monuments. Like, they <clears throat> they parodied Matrix a little bit. Um, let me see what else. Matrix, let's see. I had a list pulled up here. All right, yeah. The Matrix, Halloween, The Sixth Sense, The Usual Suspects, there at the ending, uh, The Shining and The Exorcist are the movies that they parody in this one. And uh, if you haven't seen this, which would be weird if you haven't, but if you haven't, it's worth, if you're into parody films, I would, I would recommend checking it out, it's, especially if you're into horror. It's really, again, it's really fun. It's definitely slapstick, but it sticks to all of the genre genre films that we love of that era. So uh, really, really good one. And let me see. Really? It was July 2th. Really, really good one. I love that. That's what you just said about this. And this was probably one of those things. It is, right? Like you were quoting like crazy, probably, right? And you're in the military with your and you're, you know, making friends and trying to find your way through life and totally yeah yeah this had to be something that you're just kind of quoting all the time we actually i think it was just me and a maybe either one friend or two friends and we loved it so much that we talked our other friends into going to see it like the next night or something we all went and saw it again that's how much we loved it so the other movies i think in the theater at that time were like coyote ugly what lies beneath which is great which i think i also saw in the theater uh x-men so do you, uh, Interesting time for movies. You have a favorite segment from this movie? It's got to be the Scream 2 in the bathroom. Yeah. The stall. And he hears the noise, and instead of the knife coming through, it's a penis. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember thinking that was so funny, dude. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. And, like, if you see that now, you'd be like, yeah, okay. But in 2000, dude. I remember this so, was like my I found it to be so hilarious. First year in high school and my friend I had a friend who's like I don't know how or what means they went through to do this but they always had whatever current movies were out like a copy of it on VHS. Oh, like their dad probably would rent it and then rip it to the VHS. Yeah, but I feel like they always yeah. it was like movies in the theater still. Like they had money and oh, stuff wow. and it just was like a weird black market something they were engaged in yeah that's just illegal john yeah that's what it sounds like but i remember so distinctly having like this movie coming home with this a copy of this that my friend had on uh vhs and my mom my mom like found it and watched it and then the next morning before school was like we need to have a fucking discussion about what you're watching yeah (laughs) because you know i'm like 12 that's funny you know it's also really funny when uh the dude who's playing who's essentially ryan felipe 
from I know what you did last summer, and he's yep. like at the gym doing the you know that like lonesome gym scene, yes. and then he comes to his locker, and it's like a picture of a small penis or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the guy's like, uh, I got one of those too. He's like, you got a baby dick too. <laughs> that is what happens. <laughs> I remember that scene. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's like, no, I got a note. <laughs> All right, so moving along, we talked about my childhood. We talked about my college years. Let's talk about another really critical time in my life, which is when uh, my wife and I moved to Chicago. We didn't have a ton of friends. Uh, We made some, but we talked you and your wife, who's my sister, into moving out to Chicago. And when you did so, we lived in this awesome, awesome part of town called Lincoln Square, which is just north of the city. And in Lincoln Square, there's this beautiful, amazing movie theater called the Davis Theater. And we went to see Cabin in the Woods, Davis. This came out in 2011, man. Um, Drew Goddard directed, written by Joss Whedon. You've got Chris Hemsworth, Anna Hutchinson, Kristen Connolly. You've got this really unique, interesting story about these five college friends going out to a cabin. And you get a peek behind the curtain of uh, those pulling, I guess, the levers, literally, on creating this scary experience for these these teenagers. And you're like, what the hell's going on here? I don't understand. Like, who's who's responsible? Who's in charge? And the uh, the theater going environment there was always so great. But I remember being really off put by this movie, man, and leaving and feeling really confused and thinking like, I don't think I liked that. And then with most things in life, the things that are easy to understand are not always the most engaging content. I think it was just a case of, I don't even want to say bad, but maybe misleading marketing. Uh, Because I think we all just went to see a slasher. Yeah, we thought we were getting Evil uh, Dead 9, you know? Yeah, so then we got this movie that, like, to your point, you have this other storyline going where it's like, what is this? What does this have to do with, why is this here? Uh, and again, I've grown to love this movie as well, but I think it was just us going in, wrong expectations, weird exactly. results when we left. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, the home video, once we got to watch that at home, the rewatch really helped. Yeah, dude. And this this and, theater, though, let's talk about this for a minute because... Yeah, let's. I still probably have a scar from the spring <laughs> popping out of one of those chairs. <laughs> so th- this is called the Davis Theater, uh, as I mentioned. So it's up in Lincoln Square. And it was originally known, this is on their website, as the, the Pershing Theater. And it was built in 1918. I'm just going to let that sink in yeah, for a minute. that seat was from 1918, too. So it was the rust on that spring. 
which gave yeah, you they tetanus. had they had kept that that thing was when we went, it was still like it had to be really close to the original. Maybe there was one remodel done before we sat down in those seats. I don't know, but it was that thing was classic. Yeah, and uh, so also on their site, they talk about it, and they, it says in the 1930s that the Pershing was converted to uh, show talkies and was renamed the mm. Davis Theater. So talkies being you know films that have sound. Yeah. And then through the 70s, the theater transitioned to showing a variety of entertainment, including puppet shows, second-run films, and revivals. And then in January of 2016, so this was after, uh, this was actually, like I think, right when we had moved. It was January of 2016. The theater was brought back to life in its yeah. current state as a historical landmark and community center. And I remember... It's beautiful now. Yeah, dude. I just... But I remember, like, as we were moving, they were talking about closing it before they got the capital to, to do this and, like, restore it. And I remember being so devastated because it was in our neighborhood. It was that, like, really nice uh, mom-and-pop neighborhood theater kind of feel. Very similar to the one in Kent that you had mentioned uh, that we were saying was haunted. And uh, just the culture of the environment was really, really nice and very authentic. Um, and I just remember loving every experience of, of physically being there regardless of what we went to see um, but I thought it would be good to highlight this specific movie because this was a challenge uh, I think for us to to kind of collectively appreciate uh, to its fullest uh, uh, capability so love this movie love this theater loved the experience of going to see it um, all in on it man yeah and that theater was amazing because it was in the middle of said Lincoln Square which yeah. was like a hot spot for eatery and nightlife and bars. And yeah, you would walk past every time we would walk past there. We'd be out there pretty much every weekend, uh, no kids or anything. So like every time we'd walk past the Davis to go to a bar or go to a restaurant or whatever, be like, what movie should we see? Because the popcorn's luring you in as you walk by, you look yeah. through the window, you're like, I need to get in there. Uh, it was so simple. It was like, you walk in, get your ticket, your popcorn and go right to one of the three theaters or whatever. It was really simplistic and easy. But when you would walk out was always the most amazing part because you walk out and you walk right into the hustle and bustle of the of the scene of the square. And it was just awesome. I was like, all right, I'm out. I'm back in the flow of traffic and I'm going to walk to this Italian place and eat way too much bread and be unbelievably full. He had robe weather after that. Dude, I had some <laughs> overeating experiences at that place, I will say. <laughs> All right, so that was Davis Theater, and that was what? Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods, yeah. Nice, man. Bring us to your All number right, two. All right, so this is going to be a good one. Number two. All right, so this is actually going to be Scream 6. You got a problem here, guy? I know I've talked oh, about God. this movie way too much. Just talked about it, but I just want to talk about the experience. We went with our buddy Zach and his fiance, and uh, they're married now, right? Yeah, we went with our buddies Zach and Sarah. Um, married, they're expecting their first child. Congrats, guys. But yeah, yes. we, uh, we met up with them there. And 
so that was great. And then we get in the theater, and it turns out we walked right in at the intro, Gale kill scene, or the Gale attempted kill scene. And we're sitting there, and we're like, what is happening? This is how they're opening up this movie? We were like a few minutes late, right? So we get in there. Yeah. The movie's already going. We're like, well, this kind of sucks. The movie's already started. We like file in. There's like six of us all getting into our seats. And every time I go to the theater with you, there's some sort of issue with somebody sitting in our seats or something. So you're like, well, it happened again. I guess we're going to have to go in this row, row in front of us here. And we sit down and we're like, this is a Gale? Like, that? this is the opening scene is Gale? Uh, getting And like, we at that time, we thought that she was probably going to die. And, uh, I think we all just kind of collectively at some point were like, this is not right. We have to be at the wrong theater. And we were. The ticket guy conned you and told you which theater it was, Theater 10, when it was actually Theater 7 or whatever. Uh, And unbeknownst to us, we walk in halfway through this movie. But we got out. We got to our actual seats. We got there just in time. See the intro. And we all loved that movie. I think we were all giggling and high-fiving and stuff throughout the movie, like just loving it. Until the end, obviously, for you. But we get out of there, and it was just like, we. I think we were all smiling and talking about how much we loved it. Even if we knew it wasn't a perfect movie, we just loved being there. Being at the theater for, as kids who grew up to, with Scream and 1, 2, and 3 and didn't see any of them in the theater, having that chance with Scream 5 and Scream 6 to finally be able to be in the theater, see Ghostface on the big screen, just amazing. And I'm glad I got to do that. Yeah, dude, that was a funny experience because... And this movie was being th- shown in 3D. And we got the glasses. That's right, yeah. So we had yeah. the glasses, yeah. And we walk up, and the dude didn't, he didn't even look at me, and he said, theater 10 on my left. And I even remember saying, on your left? And he said, theater 10 on my left. And I was like, okay. And I looked down the hallway, I was like, all right, there's theater 10. So we walk in, to your point, and like, I'm a pretty chill dude. Like, if you bring the chicken sandwich and I ordered the steak sandwich like I'm just gonna eat it and not say anything right uh but for some reason it's because I'm like a relatively anxious person the part of what I love about going to the movies now is like you buy your seat in advance and the idea of not knowing where I'm gonna sit gives me anxiety so I really like that fact but when you go to the theater and someone's in your seat I don't know why it just like really pisses me off and when we got in there to your point it was like why is everyone so seated and there was someone in what we thought were our seats and i remember i was like not cool about it because i was like well i guess here we fucking go again people in our fucking seats we'll just sit in this fucking row instead and uh i think <laughs> you were like all right man it's, it's like fine it's not really a big deal and then we sat down, put on our 3D glasses. That was not the 3D version. And I think you looked at me, you're like, this isn't 3D. This, something's wrong. Like, this is not, this is not yeah. right. Uh, but yeah, dude, that was, that was a really funny sequence of events. And I had, a lot of, I had a lot of fun with that. Side note, least effective 3D movie I've ever seen in the theater. I think the logo looked really nice in 3D, and that was about it. What was even the point of that? Um. Uh, yeah, Scream Six. Talk about it uh, every episode. Yeah, man. And that popcorn bucket. Oh, the popcorn bucket. Yeah, and the <sighs> the that. cups. Just that whole thing was cool. Yeah, I like that they're getting back into the marketing, uh, merch thing. You know, like even though it's gimmicky, we grew up in the height of those gimmicks, oh, and I miss, and I love like 
Dune has that weird fleshlight looking cup that they, <laughs> that they have. <laughs> it's called a people eater. It's a trap. <laughs> it's like a Chinese finger trap. <laughs> your tongue gets stuck in it. It's like, well, no, I mean, you have to you have to work your way out or you can't watch the movie. <laughs> yeah. No. No popcorn for you. Oh. Uh, but yeah, dude, I I do remember so distinctly feeling like Man, this was such a good ex- movie going experience and like I really I'm glad that they they did another one here and it like it worked out and yeah, like I feel I feel really good about this and then the next day I woke up and it was like kind of like almost having a hangover and being like huh, Did I do something stupid last night? <laughs> and then each yeah. day I went away from the experience the bullet like it was like my brain was calibrating properly and saying like no 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 you don't like this movie as much as you thought you did. And uh, yeah. I'm another day removed from that, and I feel that stronger every day. But yep, great pick, Jamie. Let's keep talking about Scream 6. All right. Number two, John. All right. I'm going to the same movie theater with the same set of friends just a year earlier. I'm going in March of 2022 to see Scream 5. So this was, we were starving, starving for more Scream content. And I remember how excited we both were when we found series is getting a reboot. We've got something more to live for. And we were ecstatic. And that night, I remember we met, I think it was actually just the four of us, right? I think it was me and my wife and then you and, and your wife. Yep. And. I went out with just my wife for dinner prior to meeting you guys at the theater. And upon getting to dinner, I was there dressed in a scream hoodie. I probably looked like a douche. And I was so chatty and giddy. It was like being uh, under the age of 10 and knowing your birthday is the next day. That's how I felt. Yeah, you were wild that night. I was so... I was so... like, man, John is really wild tonight. You were like speeding past us on the way there oh. and like honking your horn. <laughs> you, I was like just You were like rev, revved up. Just jazzed. <laughs> and the irony of it is, uh, I, so I'm talking through all these theories with my wife at dinner and she, like, she likes horror movies. She likes the Scream series. But when it comes to like the detail in which we talk about these kinds of things and even these experiences, she's like, go away and talk to other people about that. Not me. Yeah. Uh, and we're at dinner and I'm like riffing. I won't shut up. And <laughs> these people she knows end up sitting at the table next to us, which probably like, I've never seen them again since that night. They probably moved out of town <laughs> because I was like <laughs> going through all these fan theories and all this shit. 
for this franchise, the guy was like, I think I saw the first one and it came out in the late nineties, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I saw it like 25 years ago. And then I was like, well, let me give you a recap and tell you about everything. And I just was so excited. We got to the Austin town movie theater, the same one we saw scream six in. There was no snafu on what theater it's called the golden star, right? Yes. Golden star. Yep. Austin town cinema, golden star. Uh, yeah, we sat down in the correct theater and we had a wonderful movie going experience. And I just remember being really pleased that they didn't totally screw it up because I went in knowing that was a potential and that's probably why I was so nervous and chatty. So I was very pleased uh, with the outcome. I do think I like five more than six. Um, definitely not a perfect film by any means, but I, I was really glad to see we had a new set of kids. We had a new friend group. We had uh, our franchise rebooted and I thought we had a, a bright promising future, which obviously came to a, a you know, premature end, but Glad we had it. Glad we had the experience. And I do really enjoy this film. Yeah, so we had five and six back to back. Nice. Yeah, buddy. Dude, I, how can you not have Scream on your theater experience list? You know, it's like, again, to, to my previous point, like just being able to watch Ghostface on the big screen was a draw enough. So Yeah. And this was your first and I feel scream like were, you saw, right? In the theaters? It was in the theater, yeah. yeah. And th- I feel like both of these, you can love or hate the film, but I think they were both great, great theater films. Uh, again, the music, the sound effects, the just everything going for it. So yeah. it's really, really great uh, big screen experience. I'm with you, man. All right, let's go uh, to the Golden Star. All right, Star so for right the number now. one, you can just get in the car with me because we're going to go to the same drive-in. Um, Going to the Elm Road Drive-In here in oh Warren, God. Ohio. Uh, we went and we saw, I don't remember what year this was, but they had Halloween 1, the original Halloween. Halloween 4 on the same screen, double feature. And we went, we packed pumpkins in like a tote bag. Yeah. Covered them with a blanket, smuggled them in. Uh, we did buy concessions though. They don't serve beer. So yeah. uh, if they did, we would buy it there as long as they had pumpkin. But we went, we got our concessions. Uh, I remember specifically being outside for the title screen. Uh, when the music starts and you just have, you know, the Halloween, uh, and you guys were still inside and I was like outside, like biting my nails, like anxious, like, John, what are you doing in there? Like, you have to get out here. And you were like, I saw you like putting the the butter on your popcorn and like Brittany's handing you napkins. I'm like, dude, what? Like, this is one chance. Uh, but just having that experience, us sitting out 
we all sat out of the car. It was nice enough where we could sit in lawn chairs, drink our pumpkin, fill them into like a red cup or whatever. And I got way too drunk that night because those pumpkins were going way too smooth. I remember that. And they're like 9%. They do not taste like 9% unless they get warm. So if you're drinking them cold, you're in trouble. Yeah, man. Um, especially that time of year. I remember. So that was probably 2017, like fall of 2017, I'd say. And that was just such a simple time in life. It was pre-pandemic. And I remember I just bought my first house not too far from that time. Uh, you guys had been recent homeowners. We were living next, to, uh, very close to one another. And we each only had one you know, one kid at that point in time. So life was just like a lot simpler. And this was just a really nice evening out. Uh, and dude, just being able to see, thinking of, yeah, it was reflecting, incredible. dude, just like thinking of our parents that probably went and saw Halloween at a drive-in, probably it, that one. Maybe at that theater. Yeah. yeah. And that just was very momentous, I think. <laughs> for us to a point where we didn't even realize that that was playing a factor into it. And, uh, dude, it just was so, so nice to sit there. And, and it's, it's crazy when you throw Halloween on when you're at your house and you're like dicking around on your phone, not totally paying attention, but I remember just going and sitting and just watching this movie, just doing nothing else. And, uh, Four, yeah, it was one they played first, the original, and then four immediately after. And I think at first we were kind of bummed that they didn't do two. Yeah. But four is so good. So good. And that intro scene and that intro sequence to four, I know it's not uh, Haddonfield, it's filmed out west, but dude, that is like the landscape of all landscapes. You you talk about it all the time. Uh, If you could change your computer background to an image... For the fall, I feel like it would be that intro establishing yeah. shot for Halloween 4. Yep. It really it just launched us in the fall. Yeah, I uh, and that I think this was like early October, late September that this happened. So then we went, and I think we went to a bar afterwards and got some Oktoberfest. It was a, it was a great, uh, great evening. Like you said, it was a night out and yeah, being able to see Halloween there, man. Just the music and oh, it was just amazing. Yeah, it really was. Well, you know, not to not to nudge in on your pick here, but um, I'm going to the same destination for my number one. Yeah, we're just going to that. I think we were at screen one. That that driving has three screens, so we were at let's say screen one or three for Halloween. And for you, we were over at uh, for your story, we were over at screen two, I believe. Yeah, the one just to the left. So this was summer of 2020. The world had shut down entirely. Movie theaters were shut down. Uh, many of us were out of work or not working. And this was a really scary, weird time in life. No one knew what direction was up. And, and we hit a point in May. It was like right before my birthday weekend where we were like, all right, we're going to open up the bubble to like your family and our family and just keep it locked in tight for just the four of us kind of thing right four of us four of you and then once that happened uh that's when they started opening up the drive-ins and they did a double feature of the thing and christine 
That John Carpenter double feature. I remember just being so pumped. And it was just you and I. This was a thing. Yeah. Just you and I. uh, They started doing, like we had said earlier, because new movies weren't coming out, they started doing this every weekend. They had these classic horror films, and it was amazing. And I think the other screen was The Goonies, and I I don't know what, there was another, like, E.T. 16 or candles something. or something. Yeah, it was like something It, very... it might have been E.T. Yeah. yeah, it was like really... I remember we were like watching both screens. Yeah, because The Goonies is one of my favorite movies of all time, <laughs> yeah. too. So it was like... I broke my rule, though, for this uh, endeavor because typically I won't watch the thing until the worst, the first snowfall of the year. Uh, so this was kind of a mid-middle of the summer. I think it was probably like June, July time frame. <sighs> Yeah, it was a weird time to watch the thing, but like we couldn't but pass dude, it up. Yeah, like we, whoever thought we would see the thing on the big screen ever, never. Uh, yeah. Especially at a drive-in, right? So we we did the same thing, just threw a six pack in the car, went and stocked stocked up on uh, concessions. I think they had um, kind of like a limited menu, and they were doing a, a variation of what they uh, typically would do, uh, taking some measures in, into account, and. I remember I had just gotten a new car and I couldn't figure out how to turn the lights off. And that kid comes up in his fucking uh, little golf cart. Golf like, cart. Yeah. You've had all this time to figure this out. And I was like, I'm <laughs> sorry, man. And he was like, hey, it's fine. And then he reaches in and he was like it. reaching in through yeah. there, like showing you what to do. Yeah. And I remember he was like, is it okay that my hands are in here? I just, I just washed them because it was, you know, like right immediately at the onset oh, of the yeah. pandemic. Yeah. Uh, you're looking at his exposed skin like huh uh, yeah but yeah man that was such a great a great time splashing him with sanitizer <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh it was great it was a really great time though and a ton of fun to be able to see those two prolific films they played the thing first uh and obviously we've spoken up and down every avenue we can drive up and down on how important this movie is to us uh, and it is and will continue to be. But uh, yeah, man, just great experience. Loved doing that. And it was cool that uh, we got to do that together. Yeah, I love that one. And I think that was just you and I. Yeah. And we had just started the podcast. And yep. Uh, it was awesome. Ton of fun. Uh, well, we hope you guys dug this. This I, a little bit of a break from format for us, but I thought this was fun. And, and it's a, a, a cool thing, gives you a kind of a peek into some additional elements of our lives and our relationship with horror. So we thought it'd be relevant and fun and, uh, you know, jump in the comments, let us know what, uh, what your, your favorite experiences have been at the theater and what movies you saw and, and who you saw them with. We'd love to hear about it. 